Hi, folks. Thanks for tuning into this week's Stacker Chat. Stacks is smart contracts for Bitcoin, and I'm joined by Muni Bali, Stacks founder, for your weekly updates. So our last chat was actually in Miami. Can you share any takeaways from Bitcoin Unleashed and Bitcoin 2022? Yeah, I think it was it was great to meet so many familiar faces, like in person, and even even kind of like the Stacker Chat, right? I feel like it just feels different to just be there in person and record it with actual community members there. I think the the, the the most exciting thing was just the energy level uh, at the event. Like so many people were so excited about what we were doing. And I feel like, especially after COVID, uh, you know, have, people are missing that that personal connection, that being able to like sit down with the people you work with online and just know them in the community. And I think there was a, uh, there was great energy there and some amazing surprises. Like I wasn't expecting like a crash bunk to be painted uh, outside the venue. And it just makes kind of like, you know, Bitcoin NFTs real. Uh, and obviously it was, it was the uh, Bitcoin week over there. I think some of the takeaways for me were uh, a little bit like the level of kind of like, you know, passion and enthusiasm within the Stacks community is like through the roof. Like I think people who understand it, people who get it, that there is a that Bitcoin is kind of like the the true form of money, and they they've kind of like taken the orange pill and they're sold on it. And then and then once they understand what Stacks is enabling in the Bitcoin ecosystem, uh, people get very excited about it. Right, but at the same time, uh, I don't think that a lot of people within the Bitcoin community or even within the broader crypto industry uh, fully realize that. So I think that was that was definitely a takeaway that you would actually meet people at the Bitcoin event who've never heard of Stacks, right? I do think that is something uh, that we as a community need to change. I think, uh, especially this year, there needs to be a lot more focus on education, on expanding the size of the of the community. And people can do small things. Like, you know, if you, um, if, if you are kind of like sold on, on the thesis and the work that is happening here, uh, you should feel free to talk to kind of like your friends and other people who are in the, in the crypto industry or in Bitcoin. And, and have discussions about like uh, what, what Saks is doing, why is it interesting and kind of like pull other people in. Because I do think the, there's, a, there's a lot of magic happening internally, but the scale of that, I think remains very concentrated. And I do think one big takeaway is that how do we take the message to a broader audience? And obviously Trust Machine is, is, is going to, to play our role in doing that. We are getting some really talented people on the communication and marketing side, but uh, I think the rest of the community and other entities should, should also pay attention to it. That was that was definitely a takeaway for me. Excellent. Thank you. Now, back to building, and I'm going to ask this question uh, just to sort of frame the conversation ahead. But what do you see as the opportunity ahead for Web3 on Bitcoin? I, I think it's, it's a little bit like uh, one thing that is becoming clear to people now uh, which I think maybe people who are actively kind of like building on Bitcoin or were more kind of like deep in the uh, in the Bitcoin ecosystem, it was much more clear to them years ago, is how Bitcoin is the most decentralized and durable thing. Uh, like people, this this message is now catching on that look, there's ten percent inflation happening outside, or some of these other blockchains uh, can be very experimental and they can you know 
they can get taken down or like really bad things can happen at the blockchain level for, for these systems or they're very heavily centralized or a few actors can just come in and change a lot of things. But that's not happening with Bitcoin, right? So it's over time is becoming abundantly clear that Bitcoin is different. Bitcoin is very grassroots, very decentralized, very hard to change. Uh, can potentially, there's like one uh, project out there that can even sustain state level attacks on it. It's likely just Bitcoin, right? Like probably nothing else. So just like, I think that thing is becoming clear to people that Bitcoin as money in people's mind is a different category uh, than any other crypto project. And that difference is becoming clear. I think what is absolutely not clear to people is the benefit of Bitcoin as a settlement layer. Uh, that if you're building an application, like imagine you know somebody's building decentralized Twitter on a much smaller blockchain or a much less, much more centralized blockchain, and you try to build the decentralized Twitter, but in the end, it's kind of semi-centralized anyway, because your underlying blockchain is more centralized, right? So if you're if you're using Bitcoin as a settlement layer, uh, as a foundation for Web3, then everything else you're building on top can like automatically benefits from the strong foundations that Bitcoin has. So I think that is one thing that is less clear. And obviously the first step there is just Bitcoin as programmable capital. Uh, most of the Bitcoin is basically just sitting there, right? And people have kind of like, they've adjusted their narratives uh, accordingly to say, hey, Bitcoin is just for holding. Sure, you know, some people might want to hold Bitcoin, but even if you look at uh, traditional savings account, uh, sure, not you don't get a lot of yields on your savings account, but you do get some yields, right? So, so that capital is not just sitting in the bank. And the banks take the capital and deploy it and make a lot of money on it, just that so they're giving very small yields to the users. And in in a decentralized money world with Bitcoin, uh, if you could get uh, direct yields on your Bitcoin holdings in a in a non KYC uh, trustless, decentralized manner. I think a lot of people would be interested. Maybe not deploy all of their Bitcoin holding into it, but at different levels of uh, risks and potential rewards. Uh, I think Bitcoin as programmable, deployable capital is a huge, huge market that is very, very kind of like underexplored right now. And, and a lot of people aren't thinking of it that way. Right? They they're thinking of Bitcoin just as a uh, as a inflation hedge or a store of value. They aren't thinking of Bitcoin as like programmable programmable money, which it really is. Great, thank you. And what are some of the goals that you anticipate as being really critical to growth of the Stacks ecosystem over the next three quarters, the rest of 2022? Yeah, I think um, I've kind of like mentioned this before, but um, these days I've, my mind is really kind of like honed in on some of these key unlock is a little bit like if you think about you know what's the next 10x level unlock like how do we get like 10x more developers here or any metric that you're tracking like it could be users could could, could be any other metric like how, how do we 10x that and, and keep kind of like growing this ecosystem because the, the size of the opportunity is massive and a lot of people can agree with that but then on a day-to-day -day basis like what are the current roadblocks and what needs to be focused on and it's a decentralized ecosystem and various people are going to kind of like contribute to that. But at least in my view, I think uh, one key thing is that when people go to newer L1s like uh, Avalanche or Solana, uh, they do have like a much smooth user experience. Like if you're trying to, you know, withdraw your asset from exchange or do a swap and that thing happens within seconds, like those, those systems have made like other trade-offs internally, but at least from a UX perspective, it is a pretty good user experience 
uh, to the user. And I think we wanted to be much more decentralized and kind of like run our nodes on Raspberry Pis and be be more like Bitcoin. But then Bitcoin blocks are after every ten minutes, right? Now or, or longer. Uh, so that's one thing. Uh, so the best solution, at least in my mind, that can immediately kind of like impact this is hyperchain, where you can start having Solana like like performance or even network capacity, uh, and users can experience that. So I think that's that's definitely number one. Uh, and and similarly, the other thing is that uh, there there might be improvements for like more uh, kind of like stable. Uh, mining software because it because it's a little bit like because the system is so decentralized nobody even knows who the miners are you know some miners are running old software uh, there could be like certain incentives that I think could be tweaked uh, or certain mining pools that can be made easier so that we have a more decentralized set of miners and miners are actually running the latest version of software uh, and they are they're processing a lot more blocks even on the main chain even if the high speed traffic is happening at a hyperchain level. I think it is important that the main chain is very reliable. It can process as many transactions as possible because you, people might have seen that you know there's a block in which there are 300 transactions, but then there's a block that has three, and even even the blocks that are packing transactions, there's actually much more capacity that they can do, and those are tweaks in the mining software or other 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 parts of the network stack uh, that can be done. And and we don't want this to become like a tragedy of the commons that because there's no big company responsible for uh, operating the network, uh, nobody is kind of like contributing to better miners and better software and so on. So I think in a very decentralized way, uh, we as a as a decentralized ecosystem could make progress towards this. Whereas mining is very efficient and and, and there's like tons of miners and it's a very very decentralized stable ecosystem. Because imagine if you know someday, you know the uh, uh, there is there are like you know a ton of applications on stacks and you know I'm just throwing some random numbers out there, there's like a hundred billion dollar worth of network. It's hard to imagine that that network would be operated with just, you know, like 10 miners or something, right? Like you you, you need to have, uh, you need to have like a much decentralized, stronger base of network operators who are incentivized and they have the right capabilities and software and, and, and incentives for being long-term players in, in the ecosystem. So I think that, that thing is important. There are some, potential kind of like SACS improvement proposals or SIPs that are coming out that I'm aware of that, that targets uh, some of that. And then I, I do think that uh, basically bringing more liquidity to the ecosystem. Like now we're at a stage where, you know, some of the some of the very base stuff, like, you know, last year when the mainnet was going live, just getting consensus live and just getting smart contracts live was like a big deal. But but now, like, so Arcadico and others, now the next kind of like uh, stage becomes, you know, how much liquidity uh, or how much capital is in these applications. And if you if you if you double click on it, that where is the capital going to come from? Right. The the main thesis is the capital is going to come from Bitcoin. Right. So we need much better tooling uh, for people to easily send Bitcoin capital into contracts running on stacks. Right. So for example, right now we don't have native Bitcoin wallets. Uh, if you are a Bitcoiner, the experience that you would expect to have is that like, you download a Bitcoin wallet and uh, you know you can just do a Bitcoin transaction and you are now participating in some sort of a pool or you do some sort of a swap or you buy a Bitcoin NFT. Right? So I think that's the capital pool that is just sitting there untapped. There have been some interesting things like the Magic Bridge or some Lightning swaps, Allen swaps that are come online, but they're they're kind of like 
in uh, development mode right now, right? Like there isn't a ton of liquidity there, or the dev tooling is a little bit clunky. So I think I think uh, more work needs to be done to polish these dev tools, have a bunch of liquidity, stable liquidity, so that you know if applications want to use the magic bridge or LN swap at very high volumes, they can actually do that. And then we have the right interfaces uh, like Bitcoin wallets. Uh, where users can just use Bitcoin, Bitcoin directly and pour in liquidity. And then also, if you look at the crypto industry right now, most of the traffic uh, is a little bit like uh, Ethereum. Ethereum is kind of like having uh, problems with gas fees because there's like kind of like too many people trying to use it. And then networks like Polygon or Avalanche or other EVM compatible chains are basically getting much more traffic away from Ethereum and they're absorbing some of that traffic on their own networks. And I think there's potentially a huge opportunity here where you could get some of those use cases and traffic and bring it directly into the Bitcoin ecosystem. And I think that's kind of like the main thesis. It's a, a little bit like, you know, if you are moving away from Ethereum, then why would you move to like some other blockchain if you have the option of actually moving to the Bitcoin ecosystem, right? And I think that that needs to play out, which means that much better bridges uh, to Ethereum, but also potentially EVM compatibility down the road. Uh, I've, I've personally been looking at a proposal where because these hyperchains can have different uh, environments, uh, execution environments. So the first hyperchain, obviously, it makes sense to have it in Clarity. Clarity is a much safer, safer programming language. It's much easier to do routing between a uh, Clarity-based hyperchain uh, hyper and the main chain. But it's technically entirely possible that another hyperchain instance can have a different execution environment. It could be EVM compatible. And I think that could be a very interesting on-ramp. Uh, to bring a bunch of traffic that's kind of like overflowing on Ethereum. And, and people like like Satoshiables who are interested in kind of like migrating away from Ethereum to the Bitcoin side, I think just making it super easy for people to do that so that they can they can plug in their capital, they can plug in their assets and easily bring it over uh, to the Bitcoin ecosystem to the stack. So I think that that can be a massive, massive unlock. So it's it's already kind of like a, you can see it's a, it's a list of things. Some of them are more critical than others. But uh, as an ecosystem, I think if we can make meaningful progress on potentially all of them uh, this year, I think I think you can, I can almost like envision it that you know if you make a, a, a huge progress on these things, like you're definitely unlocking like a different different level of the ecosystem. And I I frankly can't 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 wait for it. I think I'm very excited about about that. Awesome. Thank you. And so we're talking about sort of changes and improvements here. How should we think about the um, cadence and possibility for changes made on the Stacks blockchain versus the Bitcoin blockchain? Yeah, I think I think uh, Vitalik had a pretty interesting blog post about it. Maybe it came out uh, three, four weeks ago. Maybe we can link it in the, in the notes. Uh, over there, he's, he's kind of like looking at uh, the past five years of decisions in the Ethereum world and what 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 went well, what could have been different, and then looking forward, like what are the big challenges? And the post really concludes at I think a very key point. And the point um, that Vitalik is making is that Ethereum has a choice to make: should it become more simple, like Bitcoin, and focus on being a durable money there, or should it become more complex and experimental uh, as a smart contract there? And those are two different things, right? And and I think there's this inherent tension within Ethereum uh, right now. Even a bunch of the Ethereum um, core developers, they're now raising the red flag on the level of complexity that is coming into just the Ethereum L1. 
that it's over time, it's actually becoming more and more and more complex over time. And, and, and interestingly, the way we, we thought about this tension, like, you know, when designing uh, stacks, and our solution is actually very simple. And our solution is just divide things up into two different layers. Bitcoin is the, is the layer that is simple and durable and doesn't change, and it's not experimental, right? So introducing changes to Bitcoin has a very, very, very high bar. But Stacks is a separate layer. Uh, it is focused on smart contracts, and it, it can be more experimental, right? You can actually, uh, like, obviously, you'll follow the SIP process, and there can be votes, and, 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 and miners have to adopt these changes. But compared to how often Bitcoin changes, I think Stacks can actually upgrade much, much, much more, more frequently. And I think that's the mindset that you need to have, because it is a benefit. Like, that is one of the key benefits of being a separate layer from Bitcoin. Because we are not saying that, hey, you need to change Bitcoin. So similarly, if you look at Ethereum, Ethereum actually has a pretty fast cadence of making changes as well. But it will always be harder to upgrade an L, like a true L1 uh, that is also trying to be a money layer versus a programming layer on Bitcoin that can actually upgrade like much faster. So I think that's the framework that at least I have in mind. Uh, so since the launch of the mainnet, we've only basically had one major upgrade, which is uh, which was SIP12. It went pretty smoothly, I think. Like I think there was a very fair voting process, a bunch of participation, and then a network upgrade went live. But I do think that some of the things that I've mentioned before, some of them will require other SIPs that need to go live. And I do think speed matters here, right? Like because uh, there are developers out there when they're thinking of building their solutions. You know, they can come and they can get excited about the idea of building on, on Bitcoin and, and tapping into Bitcoin liquidity. But if the tooling currently is not kind of like matching up to that, then they that might give them pause, right? So if, if uh, some of these changes can go live sooner rather than later, it just kind of like keeps building momentum uh, in the ecosystem, which is basically good for everybody. It's good. Like I, I run a business, uh, Trust Machines, in, in the ecosystem now. And from a purely our business perspective, I think it makes a lot of sense that if our application needs certain functionality from the underlying infrastructure, we have a vested interest in seeing that functionality live sooner rather than, rather than later. Absolutely. Thank you. Now, when it comes to a sort of executing on a lot of these updates, a critical component for not only Stacks, but Web3 generally is often talent. Um, and so what are some of the most compelling reasons why someone with sort of a distributed systems background, someone who can really contribute to the core blockchain infrastructure, um, may want to work in the Web3 ecosystem as compared to a traditional FANG company? Yeah, I think I think this is like, it's a talent war out there, like the crypto ecosystem is becoming very, very competitive. But I think reasons are actually very, very strong, right? Like if, if a lot of people, they feel the pain of, uh, how Web2 became very, uh, like, you know, just in the hand of a couple of monopolies. Like if you're if you're working at a large FANG company, it's called FANG because you could count them on your fingers, right? Like it's, it's a handful of companies. Uh, they're mostly driven by ad revenue. And we as a society have started kind of like feeling the toll that it's taking on us, right? Like if you are, if you are, if you feel like you just type a search, uh, in, in Google, and then you start seeing random ads, like which are scaringly accurate about what you were looking for. Like it gives you like this uneasy feeling, right? So a lot of people have started feeling kind of like the burden or the negative impact of social networking and ad-based networks and 
privacy violations and so on. And I think if you talk to these developers, like a lot of the time people basically feel like there is just no other alternative, right? Uh, and if you talk to them, especially like years ago, if you talk to them about crypto, um, the image was a little bit like, this is like the wild west, which it still uh, is a little bit, but not as bad as it used to be. And then, you know, people associated with like criminal activities or like really crazy people kind of like operate. All of that is like somewhat still true, but I think it's becoming a lot more professional. And the industry has grown a lot more. Uh, there's a lot of fresh capital, like from, you know, respectable funds and institutions that has moved in. And that helps give the level of confidence to some of these engineers that look, this thing is here to stay. Um, then you could be a part of something uh, early on, but but make a really positive impact in society, right? So if you want to work on the cutting edge of uh, of the internet, like this is where this is the frontiers of the internet, right? And and there are some very interesting, intellectually interesting problems uh, to work on. So I think it's a combination of like giving these engineers um, job security because they are getting really high salaries at a Google, right? But I think now some of the crypto projects can afford to match those salaries and those incentives, but then giving them really intellectually interesting problems to work on and 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 help educate them to the unique aspects of the crypto industry a little bit, right? Like you said, look, there are some, you know, pretty, pretty uh, odd people in this industry, but they mean well, right? And then this is, this is how this ecosystem works and kind of like handhold them a little bit uh, and, 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 point to the more exciting things that are happening. So I think we obviously plan to do some of that. Uh, Trust Machine is hiring rapidly. So if you are a distributed systems engineer, if you are a Rust uh, programmer, if you're interested in kind of like building large scale systems, uh, we are hiring and, and, and you, should, you should come and talk to us. And it's not just us who's hiring, like other entities in the ecosystem. Hero is hiring the nonprofit Stacks Foundation, uh, a bunch of other entities out there are, are hiring as well. I think it might actually help, maybe this is already in the pipeline, if there could be like a job board of like, here are like 50 entities in the Snacks ecosystem and here are all the tools uh, that they're looking for. I think that, that could be very helpful. Great. Well, thank you so much. Uh, just a plus one. If anyone is interested, please do reach out. Um, and thanks everyone for tuning into Stacker Chats. Please make sure to like this video, subscribe to Stacks to stay up to date, and let us know if you have any questions either in the comments below or on Twitter. Thanks, Manib, for being here, and we'll see you next week. Bye.